What is up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Butterfly Effect Podcast. I'm your host, Liana Hauser, and join me each Sunday for a new episode where we cover a variety of life topics, so we got a little bit of something for everybody. If you haven't done so already, please make sure you are subscribed on either Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or even Google Play. If you have the time, please rate this podcast because that really helps me get in front of new people. Without further further ado, let's get into this week's episode. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Butterfly Effect podcast. Today, I am joined by a guest who was the guy on the Ask a Guy podcast. I know, I know. How did I pull these strings to get him on here? Stop, just stop, just he stop. Is, are you the just founder, the not... founder of the Black Men Don't Cheat Collective? First of all, if you're gonna if you're gonna shout out our the association, you got to get the name right. The Wholesome Black Men. Oh, sorry, Wholesome and Wash. I am an, a brand and back. Brand ambassador is my, I'm not the co-founder. I'm just a brand ambassador looking out for all my, my wholesome, faithful black men, brothers out there. Thank you so much for clarifying that. I'm not trying to (laughs) be sued on this podcast yet. So, um, yeah, you put some respect on our name too. Okay. First of all, what have you been doing lately for that collective, that organization? Uh, being wholesome, being washed. And what does wholesome and washed look like for you? Um, you know, I first of all, we're we're growing already. <laughs> we're right? right into it. <laughs> it's, my my PTSD is kicking in from the last <laughs> podcast of Ask a Guy. When for those that don't know, Ask a Guy podcast was basically men, uh, me taping for all the dumb shit that men do. It's really good. Um, I highly recommend. So listening. this is giving me flashbacks. Everyone should go listen, so they have <laughs> to do another episode with all the new. Not fans. safe for not safe for work conditioning and that man that you hear speaking on that podcast is not a reflection yes, of the man that stands before you don't today the thing we're not gonna do is start this off with dishonesty okay my listeners they can read through the bullshit <laughs> you know what I'm, a, I'm gonna let you ride this is your You're podcast right. i'm a guest so i'm gonna let That's you ride. exactly go ahead, go ahead. it um but honestly anyone listening please go check that podcast out it's actually so entertaining um that's how i even found out who you were um i listened because i followed jan she's on that podcast uh shout out jan if you're listening to this mm-hmm. she went to st cloud state and i have uh, just been obsessed with her yeah i'm obsessed with her so i follow everything she does and she had this podcast and it's super entertaining it's with like three other girls right there's four total women sorry yeah women. there's four and yep. yeah they just grilled Jawan, so it was great <laughs> yeah it was, it was a it was a very good time uh it, it's not safe for work conditions i don't recommend <laughs> playing this just in any environment because it's very 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 over the top it but is, it's great it's content great. and i promise you'll be entertaining very entertaining um we haven't re- we haven't recorded in a, in a long time but you know those those podcasts age like wine our first episode was titled black men don't cheat so as you can imagine, you can see what type of time, you know, we were on on that podcast. Mm-hmm. 
Or I was. Yeah, on, you I were. Because pretty sure the rest of the, the rest of the crew was not agreeing with you. Thank you. No, not not in the least. Bit. Well, I already grilled you a little bit, but I do have a little cute little game set up, and you're the first guest to have to go through this. So congratulations, you're my guinea pig. Mm. The rules are: you cannot oh. skip, you cannot pass, you cannot ask a friend, and you have to answer truthfully. So. You have no choice but to play. These listeners need to know who you are a little bit more. So I'll start off easy. First questions. Yeah, they're easy. First questions. What's my social security yeah, number? Yeah, just very, very In basic pool? information. Full social, uh, date of birth. <laughs> um, got it. Got no, it. For okay. Sure. Who are your top artists? They can be of all time. Top three artists of all time or current. Mm, top three artists of Drake, all time. One. Uh, Jack Harlow. <laughs> I just you, your energy right now. It's something about the the, the energy is just it's very uh, hostile. Hostile. Drake is definitely number one. That's not even a, it's not even a close. It's like Drake, and then there's a big gap for whoever two and three are. Um, but Drake number one, I'd probably say um, Chris Brown is in there, probably in my top hmm. three, and then hmm. I'll say very, very odd. Very bold of you to and then, stand behind that man. I thought you were just asking me three right, questions. Right. I, I didn't think you were in a lot oh, of I, answers. You here. know I am. Uh, third would probably be like Lil Wayne or something. I don't, I'd have to, I have to think about that one. But those would be up if, if you know, give, on the spot, those would be my three answers. How do you feel about Jack Harlow? You have some thoughts about that, according think, to your Twitter. <laughs> I think Jack Harlow is uh, industry plan is stole Drake's whole style. Respect. I mean, it worked for Drake, so I want it work for him. But... So I saw... He's like the white version. He definitely is. I saw a tweet that, like, when Drake was first coming into the scene, the older generation was like, he sucks. Who is this guy singing in between rapping? Like, his style is weird. And all of our generation was like, no, we love him. We love him. And look where he's at now. And now the same thing Mm -hmm. is happening for Gen Z and Jack Harlow. Like, they love that man. So I'm sorry. I think he's here to stay. So you just need to get on the no. He get is on the train. very much so. I, he makes good music. I just I just got a good laugh at how similar their styles were. Like it's like he just took the study guide and then applied it. And it's you know working. What I mean? Why why fix something? That's I respect broken. it. I I respect it. What, have you seen I that boat video of those two of Drake and Jack? No, it seems like you're very. No, I'm not. I just happen to have this information. It's and it's a lining up. No, there was a video with Drake. He was on his phone. They're on him and Jack. I'm saying first names like we're on a first name basis, but Jack Harlow were on a boat and Drake was on his phone and Jack was like behind his back, like kind of looking and like caressing his back. And then they both notice that someone's recording and then he like pulls his hands away. So I'm pretty sure they're lovers too. <laughs> they share more than just the same hey, flow. What they. <laughs> Listen, whatever whatever they're doing in their personal life, that has nothing That's to do with That's a good answer. Me. That is a crazy. Good answer. That is a crazy, crazy allegation. It's not an allegation. It's a literal video. I'm just, I never even said specifically what they, I just said I, there may be a little bit more than, more sharing than the flow, you know? Next question. <laughs> I plead this one gets oh, a little no, juicier, a little juicier. Who is your celebrity crush? I think I know what this one is, but. All. All time, sure, yeah. <laughs> Does it change okay, by the week? Do I don't. Who, who do you, who do you think it is? Then? Go ahead. It'd be J Lo. J Lo. Okay, that's a good one. Okay, what is the the pettiest reason you've curbed somebody? And you don't need to say names unless you want to. Yeah, just, <laughs> <laughs> you, you think I am? I think I'm just a certain name. 
Unbelievable. The pettiest reason I've curved somebody. Um, I knew they hooked up with a homie. Yeah, that's good. You are very, you know what? That is a, deserves you a point in the wholesome category because you can't say the same for your male counterparts. Like they, they will still. They love being Eskimo. They, oh, I don't. I, me personally, I'm not a. That's not my. That's shout not out my Mitchell thing. North. Like, shout out Mitchell Eskimo. North and the Eskimo. Bro- not me. I'm not Please. Eskimo brothers. <laughs> he just loves to be a Eskimo brother. That's your no, let me clarify. Like, let me clarify. No, I am not Eskimo siblings with Mitch North, but <laughs> he loves to be that with everyone. Like if that's like it's a highlight of his day if he finds out he has a new Eskimo sibling. So that's crazy that you just put. You he just loves put it. That he's gonna probably business. he's gonna cut clip this and put it on his Tinder profile or something. I don't know. <laughs> Oh my God, Jesus. Mine was somebody followed my sister, one of my sisters, before he followed me and then tried to slide in my DMs. I'm like, first of all, you're disgusting. Why are you following me and my sister? There's at least a seven year age gap there. Like, you're disgusting. So, yeah, that was a no for me. yeah that's that's a crazy that's one. gross this was recent or this was like years ago because that that it makes it honestly it happened i mean it happened while one was underage like this happens a lot to yeah me. that's nasty not a lot but it's that's happened nasty. more than once okay you know what happens is because they go through the profile and then they hit the tag they're like oh who's oh. that and they see you and they're like pop the oh file. wait i was gonna say my tag picture there. well yeah no my pet tag pictures are rough so i hope that's not the way they're looking hey but they go to the regular profile. I'm do like, you do that? If you like see a girl on Instagram, you're like, oh, she's bad. Do you go her tag look to look at her tag photos? No question. That's, that's because the tag photos truth. tell you how she really <laughs> looks. Yeah. And you'll never, never trust a woman who doesn't have any tag pictures because she's hiding. Uh, I know. I want to hide all mine. <laughs> but I know that, that's no, guilty. We gotta, let me see your authentic self. Let me see when you didn't think you looked the greatest, but your friend thought she oh, looked the greatest. Oh, I know. So it's so That's terrible. <laughs> okay, your last question. So far, you're surviving. Good job. What <sighs> is a double standard that you support? <laughs> now, oh tread God, lightly. <laughs> tread lightly. This is going to set the bar if people like you or not. <laughs> uh, mm, do I want... Nope, yeah, say I'm it. Gonna, don't so, don't feel my, your truth. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play my toxic. Oh card. yes, he's out. Um, a <laughs> uh, a a woman, uh, a woman's body count compared to a guy's are two totally. All right, everyone. Uh, he's gonna drop his Instagram and just go report it. <laughs> uh, uh, if I wake up and my shit's gone because of the podcast, I'm a, I'm giving you a point five star. Okay, rating, letting you know okay. Right Ex- at least explain. <laughs> This craziness, please. Uh, because in in a, a great world, the perfect world, obviously we're talking consensual. A woman could just walk outside and have the pick of the litter. A guy will have to work for his body. So, but why? But why is that a double standard for you, though? Like, explain that more. Because if a girl has fifty bodies and a guy has fifty bodies, I'm looking at one of them different than the other. <laughs> Very interesting, ladies. Because she probably let some peasants hit 
in that in that fifty bodies. So okay, yeah. but the thing is, guys are it's, okay. So say they're the fifty in the fifty. This is not even the topic of the episode. <laughs> That's what I was like. Where, where, like Honestly, this one I was just you're throwing me. I did this one. I didn't think you were gonna go um on this tangent, but we're here. So. Girl has 50 bodies. Guy has 50 bodies. There's at least for the guy, 75% of those are probably peasants. So why would you not be looking at him differently? Because if the girl gets 50 bodies, I can, I would say they're probably higher quality. Because it's still, it wasn't, it's not his choice. The girl has to let the dude beat at the end of the day. So it's her, it's on the woman. So if I have 50 bodies, that means 50 different women said yes. Where on the women's side, they could literally just shoot a text and they have a dude that knocking at their door. But every that's day. quality, though. That's what I'm saying. Like you're, you're right. Like the girl, girl has. Nah, to y'all don't be having quality though. Come on. Um. Come. Yeah. I would say over guys, girls are going to be a little bit more cautious. Compared, not all. This is not a blanket statement. Okay, there's outliers in every category, but overall, our girl is definitely going to have higher quality than men because men will sleep with anything with a pulse i walk down the street to target and the people just sitting outside would hit on a pigeon that's flying down the street like they will do anything with a pulse so i have to stand behind that girls have higher quality so i, I agree they the, the standard below but at <laughs> the end of the day they still had to work for it so okay we'll just agree to disagree on that one um that is your double standard that was the question i did set you up for that and i guess you, you answered did. it and truthfully. i bit the bait I, I, bit, I bit the bait. I bit the bait. Okay, we're going to get into the actual topic now. You can breathe. Stop sweating. I don't know. You're. I was not expecting that. <laughs> that was know, just like, warming up. That was just the warm-up. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> I, exactly. No, it's a lot nicer from here on out. More wholesome content. What you're all about, right? That's always, <laughs> always on brand. Okay, so when I first started this podcast, I was thinking of different topics that I wanted to talk about that were authentic to me and like kind of formed my journey or played a role in my journey and of course like race was part of it me being biracial um and I know after I released the episode with my stepdad that's when you had reached out and you're like we have like parallel lives like we grew up almost exactly the same so I was like you would be the perfect person to come on and talk about what it was like to be biracial and just navigating that as you like grew up and then to your adult life First of all, I don't even know how I was. I'm blessed and honored to be brought on as a podcast guest. I don't think I'm cool enough that people want to hear me talk. But you know, here we are. But yes, we do live. We lived a very, very similar life, obviously as a man and as a woman. But it's pretty mm-hmm. wild. Okay, so to start, tell me. Well, tell us, the listeners, a little bit about like your family and what that dynamic looks like. Because like for me. I've shared this already. My mom had me at 16 with my biological dad who came from Africa. So my mom is white. My dad is African. Um, they were never really together. And then shortly into like when I was five, my stepdad came into the picture and he's he's white passing, but people think he's Mexican sometimes. He's definitely not Mexican. He's a, he's a lot of things, but he's he can pass as white. So growing up, my siblings were all white except for one of my sisters. And so I got a lot of confusion. So I'm curious what your, your experience was like. Yeah. So very similar starting. So my mom and dad had me when they were 16. Uh, My mom is white. My dad is black. My dad is, his family's from Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, My grandma moved up here for work. She worked at health partners, but 
met they met in high school and my mom and dad um separated shortly after that. I think I was probably two around say around two they separated um and then my mom met my stepdad who is fully white and I call him my dad because it's been in my life the mm-hmm. whole my whole life um and then he's white so they had three they had two boys so I have two brothers who are fully white and then on my dad's side he met his longtime girlfriend and they have three daughters they're all she's white so they're mixed um so yeah I have that that interesting dynamic where you know I have family that's fully white and you know we're going out to eat and it it looks funny when there's a mixed kid at the table Mm -hmm. the buddy 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 adopted or did you get asked that a lot growing up no, but because my mom was so young, they always thought we were like brothers. What? Same thing with my dad. No way. Well, I mean, yeah, like she thought it like we. I mean, by the time I'm like six, she's probably she was like 21, 22. So like, you go to the store, you see a young woman with an older child, you're gonna think like, you babysitting or something. Yeah. Like it doesn't really, you know. Especially when I was with my dad, I me and my dad got that really? all the time. Like, oh, is that your little brother? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't think I ever got that. Mm. Well, at least I don't remember ever hearing that when I was out with my parents, but that's interesting. Yeah. So, so when you were growing up, how was your time split between your parents? So my mom and dad separated uh, and then they ended up, there was like a brief period where nothing happened. Like, I think I was seeing my dad. I was so young that I don't really know. I know my grandma's always been in my life, but I do know at like five, six, seven, my mom took my dad to court for child support. So I I remember vividly that as a child. And like one time my my mom was in the bathroom getting ready for court and I asked her what was going on. She's like, you know, me and your dad are, are going through some things or like we're, we're taking care of some adult mm-hmm. things, but I didn't really know what that meant. Um, but basically what transpired from that is my dad, it started with supervised visits. So my dad would be able to see me once every Saturday for like two hours, but have to be somebody else there, i.e. my mm-hmm. grandma. Um, and then it progressed to like a night and then what it was pretty much for my whole childhood once I hit like eight or nine was I go to my dad's house every other Mm -hmm. weekend so that was kind of like the overview of it but I just remember them fighting and and doing like the child support Mm -hmm. thing my dad was ducking payments (laughs) hope pop don't listen to this but I think he was ducking some payments out there not putting your parents whole business on blast but I uh, uh just just dad. your dad just your dad he ain't got listen he ain't got he ain't got social media so he'd be all right. <laughs> so when you were at your dad's when how much is the gap between you and your or your siblings on that side? Uh, my sister Courtney is twenty twenty one or twenty two, so she's four years four or five years younger than me. Haley is nineteen. No, Haley's twenty now. And then Sophia, the youngest, is very young. She's 10, 10 or so when, I'm very bad with No, that's fine. I'm just trying to, like, so. paint the picture of how old you were when you started going over there. Because, like, you had siblings Oh, when you were not. No, Haley was – when I first started going over there, Haley wasn't born yet. Courtney, I think, was mm-hmm. just born. So I was probably – that had to have been right around 2001, 2002. Um so Haley wasn't born yet. I remember when Haley was born. I w- that's when I started going over there more frequently. And then by the time Sophia was born, you know, I was already over there every other weekend. And then on the flip side with your mom, the siblings on your mom's side. Yeah. My oldest brother's 23 and then my youngest brother is 20. 20. Did you notice so, a difference like, like when you were with 
the their siblings on your dad's side and they like actually looked like you did you feel any different like when you'd hang out with them or go out in public versus your siblings on your mom's side no I didn't really notice that I noticed that like I would fight with my my brothers more because I seen them more often but like when I went to my my dad's house it wasn't like there was never any conflict because it was just like it was kind of like a mini vacation mm-hmm. almost. It was like it's like a long distance relationship <laughs> where like you go visit your girl or your boyfriend and like you don't fight the whole time because you never it's like see them. You're yeah. only there for a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Good, yeah, You're not gonna fight. It, so that that's what it was like growing up. So it was never no issues. And like me and the oldest Courtney got along really really well. And then Haley Haley was a brat. Thanks a lot to you. I mean Haley. I Haley was very bad and they kind of just let her get away with things yeah the younger um, so ones i always wanted i always wanted some smoke with Haley, but she's she's great she's amazing now and then sophia i was a full-blown adult by the time she got over she, i was really like yeah you're That's a bad child you're she's not bad she's not bad but you know yeah for me like growing up like i said my siblings were white so i always like when we'd go out we'll get into the school sector but like a lot of the cities we lived in were predominantly white so then we'd go out and I was literally like the only person of color even not even just like black person like only person of color around um and Mm -hmm. like with my family so I always felt like people were staring at me like when I was with my family like I always felt like people were looking at me and judging me and like who is she like that's not her like I don't know if people were I don't even know if people were looking at me or processing anything but like I always felt that pressure that I looked different <laughs> than my family and like people are like noticing it so I felt like I always had I carried that anxiety around with me for a while and then when I was with my dad I don't think I really felt that but my dad's African and like the African culture is so different like because I was predominantly with my mom so for a while like growing up I would see my dad on weekends and stuff but sometimes I wouldn't go like a few months without seeing him. And so like, I wasn't really like really around my dad's side a ton growing up. Like I was like, I didn't go years without seeing him or anything like that. Like I knew them and stuff, but I wasn't comfortable with them because I wasn't around them. And so I just always felt like there was this disconnect to that side of me. And then I just felt more comfortable Mm -hmm. with my mom and my mom's side. Cause that's always who I was around. Um, but I never looked like any of them. So it was just this really weird (laughs) dynamic. Do you think it would have been? Oh, I don't mean to cut you off, but do you think it would have been different if you're, if you were a boy and with your dad versus, or mm. if your mom was African and your dad was white and you're with your dad all the time and then you're going to your mom's, who's yeah, African, um, like do you yeah. think it would be like a, a different? Yeah, that's okay. a good question. Speak to I that definitely think so. One, if I was a guy, I think yeah, I would probably go to my dad's a lot just because I would be like I you need that father figure. I think it's important for like young men. So I just feel like that probably would have been a bigger dynamic in my life, I guess. Um, but then the second part, if my mom was the black parent, I think my life would be a lot different actually. Like, I'll, like my experience being biracial would be a lot different. It wouldn't be necessarily better, but it would be different because I think my mom obviously took care of me primarily. So if she was a black woman. She could have taught me how to take care of my hair. Like I'm still learning products to use in my hair. Things that I feel like your mom teaches you or like your parents teach you. And my mom wouldn't know that because she's white. So, and that's not a bad thing at all, but it's just, I had to figure that kind of stuff out 
on my own. And I remember growing up, like I never wanted to have curly hair. Like I only wanted straight hair because my mom had straight hair. Well, it's like curly, but you know what I mean? Like it was straight hair. My sister had straight hair. Um, Everybody around me at school had straight hair and like my curls, I didn't know how to take care of it. So it just, to me, it was ugly. Like growing up, I did not think it was pretty because I didn't know, I didn't see value in it. Nobody else around me looked like that. I had no idea how to take care of it. And the only way I knew how to take care of it was when it was straight. So it was like, yeah, it it was a whole thing that we're still working through to this day, but that's therapy is for (laughs) you. Absolutely. So let's get into the school thing. So where did, what was your schools when you were growing up? What did, what was the demographics of them? Or like even the city you lived in? Yes. I grew up on the East side of St. Paul my whole life, which is basically like, it's not the hood, but it's not, it's not the nice, nicest part. Right. So my school growing up was always diverse. Mm -hmm. So I went to like this elementary school called Frost Lake. And I would say probably the predominantly the the biggest race there was Asian and and Hmong. Um, And so all like my best friend was a a Asian girl. Like my other best friend was a white kid because he was a minority too. Like it was like, it was just a melting Mm -hmm. pot. So many different cultures, so many different things going on, Um, which is so interesting because technically growing up I only had my dad and my grandma like those were like the two biggest like black figures that I had I didn't really know I have a big black family I didn't have a bunch of cousins like that's really what I had was my dad and my my okay excuse me my dad and Mm -hmm. my grandma so when I got to school but it was so interesting like I never felt awkward like I would I just gravitated towards whoever um especially in elementary and that young but no it was predominantly you know an Asian school and it was it was just very interesting being in, you know, trying to find your way as a third grader. Like I remember my best friend in third grade, his name had he was my best friend because his name was Joan. You had the same name. And yeah, his was spelled. <laughs> I always wondered what happened to him. I couldn't find him, but his his name was spelled J A J U A N. Oh, oh, okay. Like jo- Joan, yeah. Like literally, like spell it. <laughs> yeah. So you know that was that was always dope, but. No, it was it was just interesting that it was how, how much of a melting pot. Yeah, that's really cool. I think in elementary school, the I was in Crystal. Do you know where Crystal is or New Hope? Yeah, I do. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Not a great place either. <laughs> that's, a, that's where I went to school for like kindergarten through second or third grade. It was like maybe beginning of third grade, and then they pulled mm-hmm. us all. And that and at that school, it was a melting pot too. Like. I had friends of all different races and that I like, I love that, that that was my first experience in school. I think that's important. I wish that would have stayed throughout my entire education, but that is not what happened. Right. So like um, one random day, they pulled the whole school into the auditorium and then they told us all, we were all sitting there and normally it's like fun when you get pulled into the auditorium, right? Like it's fundraising stuff or it's a pet fest. And they're like, yeah, this school's closing. And it was not the end of the year. And wow. everyone was like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Wow. Yeah, so they shut the school down and then we moved to Mound, which is on Lake Minnetonka. And that's, all white that is all white people i'm trying to think i i honestly do not think there was anybody else black in my grade like i'm i'm serious when i first moved what what grade were you third grade i don't know if i recognized that i was black like i was black or mixed or biracial at that point but I didn't want to start over in a new school and like i was a kid i didn't want to make new friends so like that was my biggest fear at the time 
but getting there, like I did have, I did, I experienced, that's my first year I experienced racism. I remember it. Yeah. See that, that's the one part I'm always thankful about is the racism part is no matter where I went, it was, it was too diverse where I was not singled out. Cause that never felt like you mentioned earlier, like going out in public and, and feeling like people were staring at you. I thought people were staring at me too, but it was just because I was fat. Oh I was a fat kid. So I, was like, oh, <laughs> I was probably like, these kids are staring at me. Like, I'm a, I'm a big boy. So, like, that's what I thought, you know. But I never felt, like, isolated or, like, awkward mm-hmm. with my family being out in public or anything like that. And I think that kind of played a part in, like, the school aspect specifically when I was younger played an a- a aspect, like, b- for me helping understand culture, especially Black culture, because I didn't have – as big of a uh, uh, family to, to teach mm-hmm. me about things, right? So, like, through friends in, in the schools I went to, it kind of helped, whereas you were on the opposite side where it was just, like, I only have my dad and my dad's family, mm-hmm. but from a school a- education friend aspect, I'm looking at a bunch of blonde hair and blue Literally. eyes. So it's, it's I tough. wish I could remember, like, what I was thinking about, like, what my classmates looked like when I moved because, yeah, at – at New Hope Elementary, like I said, it was a melting pot. And, like, I remember that now. I'm really not – I haven't really thought about that until right now. And then just moving to Mound, it was just all white. And it was fine. It honestly wasn't an issue for a while until one girl at – she was my best friend, too. Her, I'm not going to expose her. I won't say her name. Hopefully, she's changed her ways. But she – and <laughs> I'm at recess, like, after lunch, she's like, I can't be friends with anymore because you're black. I don't like black people. And I remember. Oh, no, you got to. Yeah, I'm not going to say her name because this was third grade. OK, we're hoping that she's a changed person now. Ooh. And obviously that's coming from her parents, because let's be real. What third grader is talking like that? Like, I didn't even realize that was a dynamic until she brought that to my attention. I remember just sitting there. And I was so shocked because this girl was my best friend. She was my best friend. We would hang out. We'd go to lunch together. We'd go to the playground. We'd play together every single day. And then one day she's like, I don't want to be your friend anymore because you're black. And I remember I was just so shocked. I don't even think I cried. I was just like, what the hell? Like, what does that mean? Yeah, you're probably like, what does that I had mean no... exactly? I and I remember imagine. going and whispering in my teacher's ear after, because it was like reading time. And I remember I was just like stuck on that. I was like, what the, f-? like, she was my best friend. So I was really just like, why does my friend not want to play with me? And I tell my, my teacher that, and God bless her. I don't even remember her name, but she was so sweet about it. And she like handled it really well and was like, that's not okay. Like she was, she, and that's when I really knew I was like, oh, beep, really fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, I, oh, I was like, oh, and then ahead. we had to have like a fake performative meeting with the principal and talk about how that's not okay to do. And then my mom got involved. And then I remember it was like shortly after that, we had a field trip and shout out to my mom. My mom does not play around. Her mom was a chaperone on the field trip. And my mom was a chaperone on this field trip. And my mom was not playing. I remember her mom was like, I'm so sorry about what beep said. Like, I don't know where she got that from. And I'm pretty sure my mom was like, yeah, she probably learned that from home. Like to keep your a fake apology to yourself. Like, why would you even bother? Other. real gangster my mom I like was it. not she Keep was not playing with that but go ahead what were you gonna say no I was gonna that aspect that you're talking about it reminded me of my a situation I had but it was flipped so my fam, my black family I told you they lived in Cincinnati Ohio mm-hmm. so like our family spread across the country so every year they would do a family reunion and I remember my first family reunion I went to all black people like I was great I thought it was fun like I didn't notice anything but like 
in the moment, like there was a dance floor. I was out there dancing, and boogieing, and doing all these moves. I thought it was a good time. Like I thought I was one of the people to do. <laughs> it's not that bad. But like as I got older, I remember them telling the story back to me. They're like, "Yeah, we're like who was this little weirdo kid dancing all weird on the dance floor?" But like that's to me. <laughs> Your hands are up, waving around like. (laughs) I was like doing like one of these, like the little worm with your arm thing, and like trying to do the worm. Yeah, so that that reminded me of that because it was like the flip where I, I, because I was in the melting pot, I was like, oh, this is you know this is what it's like. And then when I got around all black people, and I was just being myself, I was like, oh "Oh, no no no, this baby's white. Yeah, there's a white baby. That's what they said first. They're like, yeah, you got a lot of white That's in you. Funny. Which is, it wasn't a bad thing. Like, it wasn't yeah, like yeah. they treated me any different. But I just you remember people. They're going like, to clown you for situation. They're going to clown you for how you breathe. Right. <laughs> but that's that's important, though, because on the flip side, like, love, the, love our white people. But, like, the white people, when you act different, it's, like, a bad thing. Right? But then when you go around black people, you just be yourself. They just laugh at it and they accept it is, you. It is, like, yeah. Just, you know, that is... That's a bigger That's a bigger issue we'll talk about another But time, no, that's but. a good call out. Um, I agree with that. So on TikTok, you're not on TikTok, so you wouldn't know this, but on TikTok, there was this trend going mm-hmm. around that, like, you can tell who's, like, who's white and who's black, insert, like, in biracial people, just by how they, like, dress, talk, and act. I can't see it. It's easy for me to tell when I look at somebody, though, where, like, if a a mixed person, I could tell you a lot about them just based on, like, how they interact and how they dress. Oh, yeah. Okay, they were raised. Oh, yeah. They were, they grew up in a way. A hundred percent, yeah. Like, me, everyone says that. Like, growing up, so then, okay, yeah, getting back to school. So then I went, moved to another all-white school, even worse than before. It was in St. Francis, Minnesota. Literally so crusty there. Bunch of hicks. But for the most part, my friends were good and, like, nice to me. Like, all the, like, oh, most people were nice to me. That school actually had a couple other black people. Shout out the three other black people in that school. <laughs> um, so th- what, what was the age group at this? Like, this what grade was, this I moved point? here... Or moved there in sixth grade, or fifth, okay. fifth or sixth grade. Yeah, that this that, those school. were the tough yeah, times. Yeah, junior that, high. That's where it got tough for me. Yeah, that was hard. That that's was where hard. it got tough. For yeah. Me. So for the most part, everyone was really nice. Like honestly, like they were nice. I would always hear the stupid stereotypes, like "You're the whitest black girl I've ever met," and like you're not like those other black people, like all those type of things. But I was so used to being around white people. That was a compliment to me. Like that's really fucked yeah. up. Like I was just like, I strive mm. to hear that. Cause that meant like, okay, I'm one step closer to like fitting in and being accepted by these people who I have to be around. And I remember like, yeah, yeah. I would be like, I know I get that all the time. And like my stepdad would always make fun of me. Why do you always talk like a Valley girl? And I didn't like, I was like, no, I don't. But Obviously, I was because I was trying to portray a certain side of me so I could be accepted. So I remember that stuff. I remember, like, people always asking questions about my hair. I always straightened it. I remember I would straighten it literally every single day. So much it was breaking off. Like, it was, like, this long by the time I left that school. And I would wear it curly. And people think it's so pretty curly. And I hated it because, like, I just didn't know how to take care of it. I remember I would go to the bathroom and get it wet between classes because it would get frizzy because I wouldn't know what kind of product to put in. So I just walk around like with wet Mm. hair all day. Like people weren't wondering like, why are your hair still wet? (laughs) 
That's crazy. What uh, t- talk a little bit more though about like how that how your interactions with you know white people growing up changed like your look. So you talked about your mm-hmm. hair. Like how did it affect like your wardrobe um and, and things like that? Like did it did it change what you you used to wear versus started wearing? Oh yeah. Cuz I, I I find that part interesting too. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it definitely had an effect I think because of like it was, I was around all white people, but I think it's just in general where you go to school, like or your surrounding, like plays a role in how you dress and how you act. But so I think that's obviously mm-hmm. why, um, like I dressed in hall like as much as I could, Airpostel and Hollister and Abercrombie. Like also, my family could not afford that growing up. Like I don't know why those shirts were thirty dollars for a T-shirt with the name on it, but all my friends had it, so I had to have it. And I remember I had like one yeah. shirt that. Just- <laughs> rotated as much as possible <laughs> i could uh, <laughs> had to make it work at that time yeah um i'd wear yeah. etnies we, we brown mm-hmm. etnies very cute um no like Nasty. no swag would you would you call i had no street cred at all growing up okay so at that point though how did so you're doing that you're dressing like that you're starting to act like you know like you said your stepdad called you out are you is this what you're talking about when you were going months without seeing your dad or were you still going over there like once a month, once a week? Like, what did that look like? And how did that affect was, your guys? It was so sporadic. Um, like going and seeing my dad, like, honestly, like, no, I really wasn't seeing him that often during this time. And even when I was like, oh. when the older I got, the less I would go over there on weekends just because like, I was really busy with cheer and yeah, I would go and see him, but not, not often. And even if I did like, the African culture and black culture are so different. And like, my dad is African. So like, I'd go over there and he wouldn't, he doesn't, li- he didn't even listen to rap. Like when I was growing up, he wouldn't even want me to listen to KDWB. Like he'd be like, that is no, you can't do that. Like he, he like my dad and black culture were not the, it was not the same. Mm-hmm. So going over there, I was just learning about my African side for the most part. And like, they would call me their white woman. I remember like, yeah. I remember I asked my, like, what? when I was older, and one, it was my birthday, and they did, like, somebody from Africa who I hadn't met gave me a happy birthday post, and, like, happy birthday to our white woman. I was like, Dad, what are they talking about? Like, I'm not white. Like, what are they talking? And I guess it's some, like, African thing. It's like, I guess to them, I'm white. Like, I mean, pretty much. Like, even my own family thinks I'm white, but I'm obviously not white. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's literally, there's so many of these things where I'm always questioning, like, where I fit in. For me, elementary I was very comfortable with who I was and I had my I was friends with everybody Mm -hmm. like it was very comfortable right but once I got to middle school that was when I was kind of like it it was tough because in middle school that's when you start seeing groups Mm -hmm. that's when I first started Mm -hmm. seeing groups whereas okay the the black cool people hang out here you got the black kind of cool people you got the black nerds that hang out here then you got the white people, you got the white cool people, white jacks, but like it was all segmented. Yep. When I wasn't used to that because I was used to just talking with everybody and being friends with everybody. Mm-hmm. Not saying I wasn't then. It was more just like, oh yeah, Juwan's cool, but like I didn't really have friends, friends like that in middle school. I had a bunch of people I was really cool with, but from middle school, from seventh and eighth grade, I don't think I hung out with one person outside of school. Besides, like, my best friend Jacoby growing up because I knew him before mm-hmm. middle school. 
But like for the most part, I didn't really hang out with anybody. Shout out to my friend Max. Actually, Max is the only another one that I, I hung out with. He was white. Well, but Max was in the same lane where he was a he was a white kid, but like he loved hanging out with black people, loved black culture. Like he didn't fit in with the the white kids at Murray. So Murray is the name of the school I went to. Um, but it was it was a struggle. It was a struggle because it was just like I had friends, but I didn't really have friends like that. Wow. You know, I wasn't cool. I, I I was fat. Like I it was it was a lot going on at that time. Um, but it wasn't like it was issues. It was just I didn't really feel like I had friends that mm-hmm. I could like. You know, I I don't know. It's it's hard to word, but like it was. You, I just didn't have my own group. So what I end up happening is I had to hang out with so many different people yeah. and talk to all these different people. But, you know, middle school is very clicky. It's very clicky oh, yeah. and it's the worst age group. It's the worst age group, hands down. I will die on that. Yeah. Middle school kids are the absolute oh, worst. Oh, yeah, they're awful. And I, I remember having to move again, start over when I moved to St. Francis. And I was already scared. Like, I already now had that idea from, like, my previous experience when I made friends in third grade. And I was told I can't be friends with you because you're black. I'm like... I had like that stuck with me. It wasn't just like a scenario after we had that talk like that had always stuck with me. And like that was in the back of my head now with all the friends that I was making. So now when I go to this new school, and right. it's like even more country than I would say mound is like there happened to be more black people somehow at St. Francis, but it was yeah. way more closed minded. It was way more conservative. It was ma- way more um, just hick. Like people would drive their tractors to school. Like that's the type of shit. Those are the type right. of people I was going to school with. And for yeah. all my close friends, my close, close friends, so nice. They like, they truly are great people. Like they weren't very, they were very open-minded, very inclusive. They did not make me feel any different. Like if anything, it was myself, but mm-hmm. what I did notice, um, and I think it was just honestly immaturity from guys, but like when anything went wrong or they needed to do a dig, the first thing that they were going to come at me for was being black. Like they would call me the N word. Oh yeah. And yeah, like, yeah. That was, I remember, so hurtful. I remember my mom was like, we're taking you out of the school. Like, we're not dealing with that. And so then I moved to Maple Grove, which was still white. Like, I don't know why my mom is not doing <laughs> research. I'm just kidding. Um, it was still very white, but there, it was way more diverse than any school that I had been to up until that point. So I was like, you know what? We're yeah. going to just ride this one out. But what I found when I got into that environment I didn't know who I like who I was supposed to talk to because I'm used to talking to all the white kids, but at Maple Grove it was all these super right. ultra rich white and then the black kids, right. I felt like I haven't been around black culture. I'm a nerd if it like I look so whitewashed to them. So I was so embarrassed to even like talk to them because I thought they were just gonna make fun of me and call me cheesy. So I like I constantly had this mm-hmm. like battle of I don't know where I'm supposed to fit in. So I ended up just making friends on the cheer team. And then that was like a mixed group of people, which was dope. But yeah, the bomb squad, shout out yeah, bomb squad. That's tough. <laughs> oh Lord Jesus. That is a nasty name. Um you know, it's funny you talked about that, though, because for me, I remember specifically in middle school, like I was cool with everybody, every nobody, like I didn't have any issues. I would talk to my white friends during class, like the white cool kid crowd. Right. But then when I noticed when they clicked up and like they were in the hallway, like I, I didn't never wanted to talk to them. Oh, really? Like when they were in a group together. Yeah, because it was just too I, like it, I just got didn't get a good vibe from them. But like if I was in class with them, and I sat next to them. It was like, oh, we're going to joke, laugh, we're going to have fun. Like it's cool. But like when they got together in a larger group, then it was kind of like weird. It was just like. Did they know, make it, you it, feel it that way or did I, you make yourself feel that way? 
I think it was both. I think it was both because it was like, okay, why is, you know, he's not, it's to your point about like when something, when a joke needed to be said, it was like, okay, we're going to pick on this guy because he stands mm. out like he's black. Oh my gosh. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Did you? And nobody, and I mean, they tried to, but like, I, I, I'm i a funny guy. So like, I was you going to you you're gonna lose that battle. <laughs> well, I'll take the compliment, <laughs> but yeah. On the, but on the flip side though, it wasn't, like I said, I've always, I've never felt like I needed to validate myself around black people mm-hmm. but like when I get it especially when I was younger when I would be around white people I would feel the need to have to validate myself as being white Oof, yeah. right and it was just like a, a consistent like tug and pull from that the middle school years because I wasn't cool and part of it too was like you had to be perceived as cool if you're perceived as cool in that time frame you're you don't have to worry about fitting in because everybody wants mm-hmm. to hang out with you but like when you're not perceived as cool like it was like damn like it's a it's a little bit of a struggle like it, it's harder right so it it was definitely tough during those middle school times did you have did you ever experience any like racism from your peers no no because i, I went to such a a, a mixed school like Mur- murray was it wasn't like my elementary school but it was still like it wasn't like it was like 75% white people like it was like 50 50 like it was probably like 30 30 30 mm-hmm. like that type of break so it was very diverse in that, and I'm I'm thankful for that because I don't know what I would, you know, what it'd be like if I went to a predominantly white school. Yeah, it was, you know, um, it builds character. I'll tell you that much. Uh. <laughs> oh no, it does. It it definitely definitely does. It on it like it truly wasn't the worst experience. I got really lucky. I also like I think being biracial, like let's just call it, we have light skin privilege. Like at least I know I do. Yeah, um, yeah. and I know like my some of my peers that are not biracial and are fully black or are dark skin. Like they did not get the same experience with some of the mm-hmm. white people that, that I did. Like I almost got a pass in a way. And um, definitely like, oh, I yeah. want to acknowledge that because like, that's, it was really fucked up. And I didn't, I didn't notice it. Like I didn't realize it, but now looking back, I can see it very clearly. Um, So, yeah. But I mean, you also, the, the a, another fundamental difference between how we were growing up is like, you kind of were forced to embrace that mm-hmm. time and just like go full deep into, you know, rocking, you know, the same clothes, looking straightening your mm-hmm. hair. Like I'm so, I'm grateful and thankful enough that I didn't have to like fully emerge. I kind of just kind of stayed in my own lane and like to dress how I wanted to mm-hmm. dress. But like, that's a big part in that too, is like, yeah, it's, it's a, a light skin privilege speaking for you specifically, but at the same time you had to like, emerge yourself in that like you had to go through that and fight within yourself because you wanted to look like britney and mm-hmm. fucking seven i literally grade. had a best friend named britney that oh, was good <laughs> did you my dad has didn't know that i know <laughs> did you have any experiences with your hair because like your hair is like obviously more textured but you don't have like curls like you couldn't i know you got no. that do-rag on but you know you're not gonna have any waves under there <laughs> Yeah, we're cutting that. We're cutting that. <laughs> wow, just frying me. I feel like I'm back on my podcast all over again. I'm just kidding. Well, you that, got to we learn have to through your that. dad, but no, though, right? No, so I never was able to get waves. Like, I used to wear a skull cap as a kid. I wear a do-rag now to lay my mm-hmm. hair down because my hair is, is curly, but it's like a 1A, 1B. Look at you, else. knowing the, the types. <laughs> the first curl layer, that that's my type of hair. But as a kid, I didn't have... 
I couldn't get waves, but I also couldn't do like the spiky mohawk. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, cause that, that was what the, that's what they, they were. were wearing. They had a little frog. Oh my going. God. Or the flippy Or the bangs. Justin Bieber. Yeah. Like, and, yes. Yes. Did you Justin ever want to grow your exactly. hair out and straighten it so you could do that? Mm-mm. I always wanted waves. Always. I always wanted and you're waves. still trying. Kid, I, I love that I you always... don't give up on that dream. Yeah. You know what? I really support that. I don't wear the dream <laughs> to get waves. I, I, you, you try to paint these narratives about me, and I, they're gonna think one thing and then see me, and they're like, "Who is this dude?" Like that's not. It's not true. It's not true. I've caught my hair. If I sleep wrong, it'll stand. It'll stand you ain't up sleeping right now. Why do you have like it on? <laughs> okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. But. <laughs> yeah, you just turn into a comedian now. Fucking got Kevin Hart over here. Oh wow, the Butterfly Effect podcast with yeah. Kevin Hart. Fuck out of here. Um, no, but did you like your dad? Te- was there ever a moment where you had to figure out how to do your hair? Like your dad didn't like, okay, this is the barber shops you go to. I never did nothing. No, you just go I to Fantastic Sam's. I remember. No, no, no. Don't play with me. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Don't disrespect me like that. My dad used to cut my hair, but. I remember one time we went to a bar- the barber shop, and he was gonna get- he was getting his hair cut, and I wanted to get. <laughs> I remember the kid he was getting his hair cut literally, and the next barber was like, "Okay, who's next?" And I was like, "Me." And then my dad was like, "Nah, he's not getting his hair cut." And I was like, "Damn, Pops was trying to get my hair cut." He was not trying to pay for that. He's like, "We'll take you back home. I got the clippers." <laughs> yeah, my mom used to give me buzz cuts as a kid though. My dad didn't cut my hair like straight one guard. Yep. yep straight just just cut your hair so i look like a glazed donut so like a lot of my issues were were built around the fact that i was fat at the time and i was light-skinned so it was it was a a tough go around a little bit see that's so interesting that you like being light-skinned in your case was like not a not to say a detriment for lack of better words but like it was you were made fun of it fun of because of it like it wasn't i mean it depends on no it was cool but it wasn't cool for me because i wasn't cool I, I just wasn't saying. I wasn't yeah, cool. I get what you're yeah, like it wasn't it wasn't more so my skit. It was like as a kid you're trying to figure out who you fit mm-hmm. in with. Oh yeah. Right? But on top of that, you're not a part of the cool crowd because you're fat. Mm-hmm. You don't really like I didn't have the most swag. Like I dressed my parents kept me in nice clothes, but I didn't really know I didn't look good. In my opinion, I didn't at least. But you know, so it it was just a struggle bus trying to fit in and navigate that. And it like Seventh through ninth grade was was very hard. Ninth grade, I more so like just went full deep end and was just like, I'm just gonna hang out. With, I have some friends, some my black friends. I'm just gonna mm-hmm. kick it with them. Like I'm not even gonna try to immerse myself on the white side. But I also went to a St. Paul public school, so there wasn't that many white people. <laughs> so I didn't really. You didn't, didn't have really an have opportunity. Yeah. No, not. So at all. I know you said that your friends weren't ever like, or not even friends when I do that, but like your peers were never maybe like advertly racist towards you but do you remember experiencing any like stereotyping i'm there's oh yeah, yeah i mean you, that, can you remember? that happened more so like family family like, yeah my family yeah yeah but like my family just jokes a lot Same. like we're we're gonna yeah. joke no 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 nothing is off limits you're gonna get you're gonna get clowned about everything right so like you know, I remember just going out to like family gatherings, like, "Oh, Juwan's grabbing the chicken, chicken yeah. again, right?" But then I, I would clap back at them and say something back. Like it wasn't like they were being racist. I want to clarify that. But like that's that's the extent that I heard. I've never been like told to my face by like a friend or anything like that. Like ain't nobody gonna. I was never a fighter as a kid. I'd probably would cry if oh. somebody said that to me back then. But like, 
I, I was very soft and very emotional as a kid, but no, nothing ever happened to my face like that. Thank God. That's good. Um, just more so family. Like no family jokes. Like, like nobody made jokes and you're exp- at your expense. Like for real, throughout your entire school experience, like I can name like ten things off the back of my hand that I remember friends saying to me. Yeah, but you also went to a, a, a yeah, white. But you were you, were, you just said you were light skinned like, and your friends weren't. No, but like they were. But the thing is, is like they couldn't say that because half the class was black. Yeah. So it's like, what are you gonna say? You're gonna crack a joke in here, and then you're gonna you're gonna be t- yeah, that's true. Public enemy number that's one. True. Right. So no, that there was never it. That type of thing doesn't happen in a, a more diverse school. Mm-hmm. That's predominantly like a white school. That's where that stuff type of stuff. Yeah. happens. Because they knew they couldn't play yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. not the same times. Good times. We, I would say we had to endure no. a lot. As well, I did. <laughs> Maybe not you so much. You were more lucky, but that's good. Okay. Yeah, I want I I want to hear more though about you and your relationship and friendships with people of color. When you got to Maple Grove. So when I got... Because I know you said you mentioned fitting in. It was hard. Yeah. But, like, speak to what, like, that was, like, like communication-wise. Like, what about it specifically made you feel so awkward? The black people, I think, they were just, like... I remember them being, like, so fun. Like, they're... Oh, like, and I wanted to be friends with them. And I wanted to hang out with them, like, after school and stuff. But I was so afraid that I would be cheesy. So, like, I would be over there. But I'd be really shy and, like, reserved. So, um... But nobody, yeah, that was, I guess, my experience. That's tough. Yep. And then, so, do you, have you ever, like, obviously there was this huge wave, thanks to the Kardashians, of white women wanting black men <laughs> and, like, fetishizing, fetish, fetishizing, fetishizing, fetishizing them Ugh. because they want the light-skinned babies with the the pretty eyes did you ever experience any girls like go after you like a hound because you're a light skin a light skin um, light bright? not i i noticed the the flip side so for a while people in my adult years people would always clown me because they think i only like white women yeah. even though nobody's ever seen yourself. me with a white I might have said it in a joking way, but so people you said never it. see me with a wife. Okay, but so you said yeah. it. So that's why people think that, I've... okay? So that's not, I don't no, know no, why no, in my no, adult no. life people think that, because you said it out of your mouth, so people believe No, you. I said, <laughs> no, what I said was on the podcast, I said, yeah, I like white women, what's wrong with white women? But people take that as you only like white women. Okay. And they, they think that, they think that way, but if that's, um... More so what I seen growing up was, like, not the white men actively, aggressively pursuing black men. It was more like the black men actively pursuing white women. Wait, say that again. I got lost. You said what? So, like, your, your (laughs) your question to me was, have I, did I experience white women, like, Oh, so black men going after white women. Yeah. It's why. Why do you think that is? Uh, Like, uh trophy almost it's like a an achievement to get like a white woman like it's like some prize which i'm not saying anything's wrong with white women i really am not i'm just saying like obviously there is at least in the black community it's like for men i feel like it's a triumph if they have a white girl on their side I don't, honestly, I don't know what it is because for me, growing up, I always, I went to such yeah. diverse schools that like I had crushes on all different types of women. You don't you don't discriminate. Up, right? 
No, no. I, the, I had a very wide palate. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But no, I, I so it, I never could understand why. Um, part of me thinks it comes from more of like underlying issues, like mommy issues, honestly. Mm. Like, I think there's some, some issues with in their childhood upbringing with black women That's in some way that kind of causes them, causes them to do that. Um, okay. but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I only dated white speak guys. To you. I mean, up. you did, I was going to say, <laughs> speak to your, your fetish over Kyle's and Brad's and Brad's and, and, and Chad's. Mark's. I did date a Kyle. Uh, I dated a Colton. <laughs> I dated. That is sick. A Connor. Yeah. Very um, all white. All white boys up until college. And it was just, it was because that was who I could pick from. Like, and so, of course, your type starts to form around your environment. And then once I was around people that were not white, my type changed really quick. And I have no nothing against white boys, Brads and Chads. And I'm sure you guys make great partners, but it's just not my thing anymore. You were out there dating men wearing Wranglers and boots every day. <laughs> not yeah, boots, with, not with, boots. My white boys had some flavor, too. first of all. So they were they were a little spicier than the average Brad and Chad. But Why? Because they knew Lil Wayne lyrics? They yeah, knew a million exactly. by Lil Wayne? So because they, they liked me, so they were spicy. <laughs> oh, they would get, God. like, people, especially in middle school, like, I felt... I had this fear that people, because people would start talking, like, if guys dated me or liked me, like, that's when the shit about, like, my vagina would start coming. Like, why do you want to know about what color my vagina is? Like, stuff like that. They would just find something that they wouldn't do to my friends. Like, no one would say anything about them, but because I was black and they are dating a black girl, they would get a little extra shit. Like, it was never too bad, but, yeah. Oh, you're dating a black girl? Like, yeah, that would, that. Middle school fucking sucked. It was awful. It was very awful. Thank God that time. I would went, never. That time went by fast. Yeah. No. Um. But dating in high school for you, you dated all types. Not dated all types. Had crushes on all types. Uh, yeah, my girl. Uh, in in ninth grade, I had crushes on. Again, I was fat, so like I didn't have a girl. I, girls wouldn't give me the time of day, especially in ninth grade. That was like peak fat Juan. Um, I had the biggest crush on this Mexican girl, um, but I wasn't I wasn't cool enough. Didn't fit the build. I had a crush on this upperclassman, and she was she was mixed. I want to say, um, like I had I didn't discriminate. It was it was who anybody anybody, anybody could get it. <laughs> said fact, said fact. Um, and then when I got to my my other high school, Twin Cities Academy. I dated an Asian uh, woman there, but she grew up in Edina. So like she, she was adopted by white people came from that, that culture. Yeah. Um, but yeah, TCA was like very, TCA kind of shaped me or not shaped me, but like gave me what I was looking for from a, a community standpoint, because it got back to that melting pot mm-hmm. where it was just like, like my graduating class had 25 people. Right. So that the school is, is so small cute. and it was that anybody Anybody and everybody was in the school. Like you had your jocks, you had your nerds, you had your magic players, you had your players. No. Like, yeah, you had your weirdos. Did like, anyone wear had tails? Uh, no, there was. Eh, no, was a, there was a tail there person there, tail. even. Wow. Uh, tail and then the little the ears, ears yeah, the, little, yeah, the furries, yeah. So, wow. 
And I enjoyed it. Like that to me was great. Like I literally talked to everybody. Like that. I don't care what your race, ethnicity. Like it was. It was great. There was no clicking. Like our. I had a friend group, and obviously it was. It was our friend group was black people, but like it wasn't like it wasn't. You stayed in your friend group. Those were just like my closest friends. But like I talked to everybody. It, it was. It was. It was great. Did you find that like? Okay, once you're out of what you call your peak fat Jawan phase, these are your words, not mine. Uh But once you were out of that phase and like you started attracting more girls, did you see like a trend in who would go after you? Uh, um, White women, so just say it. I attracted my fair share of white women. I started hanging out a lot with my cousin Austin. And he would take me to his, his uh, house parties in North St. Paul. And there was a lot of white women who were, um, in, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Snow bunnies looking for their inquiring light skin inquiring to give about, them about their mixed babies. But the thing is, the thing is, women don't really understand. Like, if, you da- if you're white and you're dating a mixed guy. That baby's coming out white. It's coming out very light with green eyes, and that's exactly what they want. No, that baby's coming out blonde hair. Blonde hair Blue mixed. eyes, green eyes. Blue exactly, eyes. and that's yeah. what they want. So that's perfect for them. You were you were the perfect specimen. Yeah, no, it definitely attracted. But that's also like, yeah, it attracted a lot of, it definitely attracted a lot of white women, especially when I would go out, like, so it was, it was I think the first time I met you in person, you were surrounded by white women. I was like, "Hey, you're the guy That's from the podcast." That's not true. I'm pretty sure. Are we? You can say it. I'm pretty sure you were on the corner of Slims with white women around you. Okay. Okay. Let let let's let's give them some context. So stop me if I'm lying. <laughs> so stop right there. Who was stop. sober? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who who was who was sober that night? Definitely you. I'm not. I'm not disputing the facts here. Okay, I was drunk. So, whose memory would be better? I'm mine. Mine, because I I obviously it was off. I, I'm gonna tell, let me stop. We're gonna tell the people what happened. Okay. So I'm walking. So if you've been to Uptown, where Cowboy Slims was on that street across from McDonald's, <laughs> I'm walking down the street with my friends because it's bar closed, and I'm trying to go home. I'm wholesome. I have no woman <laughs> with me. I'm trying. Who was to go with home. you then? And my homies, where I'm dropping them, taking them back home. Guys like, or girls? To get dropped off. Dudes. I'm pretty sure that's wrong. But okay. No, it was. It wasn't. So then I'm walking, and I see this very attractive woman just standing there, looking lost. I'm like, why? <laughs> this is kind of unsafe. But I didn't say anything because I just try to mind my business. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden I hear, "I looked lost." Are you Juwan? <laughs> Yeah. Yes. What do you mean? What is you were drunk and on the corner of Cowboy Slims. I was like, I don't. Maybe you're waiting for an Uber. Or something. Yeah. I but I was just like, why? Why are you out here by yourself? I was. I was confused. She's like, Are you Joanne? I'm like, Oh Lord. Like, first of all, I hate when people say that because I already know where that's coming from. <laughs> and she's like, You're on that podcast, aren't you? I love that podcast. And I'm like, Oh. God. I was a fan. I was fangirling hard. You. You literally said that, and I was just like, "Stop! Just stop right now!" Because there's, I hate when people were sit there a fan and stuff. Like, you're not a fan. I was we're a fan. Now. I was literally a fan, and I literally had never met this man before. Didn't even follow. I don't think I even followed you on social media at this point. But yeah, I was. No, I didn't know who you were. I'd never seen you before. I was like, I was. I'm like, how do you you know me? Like, and then you said talked about the podcast. I was like, oh, yes, that is that is me. I am a him. local celebrity. I was. 
I was very impressed. Stop. Just stop. <laughs> just stop. And I don't, I wasn't just out on the street by myself. I'm sure my friends were somewhere close I, by. Okay, they were, but they weren't with you, and there was bar club. I'm like, why is she just, like, here? They were probably at McDonald's, honestly. Yeah, that probably, that's a good point. Um, good times outside of Slim's. <laughs> oh, Slim's. It's closed, though, right? Or is it open even still? Yeah. Oh, it is open. Thank God. It's closed? Your jersey's still hanging. Yeah, it's closed. Your jersey's still hanging up, though. I know they retired your jersey. I miss All the work place. you put in that Oh, I loved that rooftop. I cannot wait to come back and find a new rooftop to go to every weekend. But <sighs> Good times. I want to know when, like, as an adult now, like, where do you want to sum- submerge yourself in Black culture? Like, where do you stand now, and are you trying to like experience that because you really didn't experience like you went to St. Cloud obviously which is more diverse yeah but like for the most part I know a little bit about your story you don't really you haven't been fully submersed in black no. is what I'm getting at no so is that something you're, you're looking to work towards like what do you how, how do you feel about that now as an adult great 26 year old great adult? question um yes I think after I moved or I went to school in St. Cloud I joined CAS um, Council of African American Students, or I didn't necessarily join, but I would come to some meetings here and there. And that really like opened my eyes to black culture. And it was definitely something that like I wanted to be a part of, but I was still very scared to like be accepted into that community. Nobody ever made me feel like I wasn't, but I just had insecurities because I felt again, like I was going to be cheesy or corny or like too whitewashed. Cause that's like literally what I've been told my entire life. I was too white for the black kids or yeah and too black for the white kids I just always felt like I was in this weird limbo but after going to cast like I realized like there was this connection to black culture that I like I really wanted I found so interesting like first of all black people are just dope (laughs) I think they're the coolest people on the planet and I'm a little biased of obviously but like there's just so much to black culture like everything they set the standard for everything so like of course I want to be more connected to that um I want to have more black friends I think even just now looking, all my friends are still like white for the most part. Um, I want to have more friends that are from all types of races, but specifically black. I think that's important. Um, And I also eventually one day want like my family to see a blended friend group. I don't want them to only see like all white people or all black people or all whatever. (laughs) Like I want them, you know, like I want people who look like their community to be around them so yeah I'm trying to get more into that like I don't know how you do that at 26 but like I mean I talked to a bunch of people I have black I mean, friends be, I don't know like I have black these, friends these black I just, rappers do it yeah black rappers be acting like they they're from from the streets and then all of their their upbringing was Edina mm-hmm. or Maple Grove yeah. on, or uh, Minnetonka on the lake right so you know, it's not like it's not a thing where people can go back and learn. But I do think from I think you have a desire to want to, like, learn and just be around black culture more because you didn't really have that experience, you know, growing up or you started to experience it as an adult. So, yeah, you, know. you articulated that way better than I did. So, yes, that was exactly it. I mean, I moved to Chicago thinking that I was going to get myself, you know, more exposed to different cultures and it's super segregated here. So, yeah. um, you need, you need a, you need a, you need a tour guide yeah. for sure. So, yeah. So if anyone wants to be my tour guide to the black culture, please. 
don't say it like that. When you say it like that, it makes it sound like you're white, right? Like it's a part of you mix. Like I know, but I'm African. Like, I'm African though. Like honestly, that's. Yeah, but... I mean, yes, I'm black. I I'm a black American, but my roots are African. So like when I go home, that's what I. I that's what they're not listening to little Wayne or uh and he rap people like nobody in my family does that they it's just it's very yeah. different i don't know yeah no i, I get it we'll, we'll we'll work on it <laughs> thank you <laughs> it's it's an interesting it's just a, a interesting dynamic i didn't have the other part i realized i didn't really have a lot of mixed friends going that i, I still don't like I, yeah, I have like two or three light skin friends. <laughs> like I don't really have that many light skin friends now. That I think about it, um, so I never really got to ask or like talk about their experiences. But I'm very thankful in the upbringing that I did have because it allowed me to experience both sides mm-hmm. of the culture, and I'm very blessed to be, you know, where I'm at now. And I think we didn't really talk much about how we're feeling now, but for me, I'm not trying to fit in this way like mm-hmm. i don't validate myself in a room of white people anymore and i did that very often you know that's like so good I, to hear yeah i'm not yeah for the, how i was treated and how i felt interacting with black people since i was a kid so i act now mm-hmm. you know and i think that's kind of like the phase where you're going to get to eventually where it's like you don't have to validate yourself or feel like i need to be this person right you could just be yourself and you're going to realize it's gonna it's okay yeah right it's more just like the mental hurdle aspect of it and i do think i'm getting i am more there i don't i don't question my race now when i walk into a room or i start a new job or i start a new position like i feel like that fear and that anxiety is slowly going away which is really good to like to feel i also think being in chicago has helped that because it is so diverse it is segregated but there's Mm -hmm. i see people who look like me every single day which i didn't see before like that's that's huge. Like that's, it is nice. And it it allows you to not feel like such an outcast, I think. So I think that, and also I'm older too. I'm more, I'm more um, secure in a lot of, in myself in a lot of different ways. And so I think just with yeah. more exploration that I've been doing and like actually doing the work to understand where these fears and anxieties are coming from when it comes to my identity, I think it has helped release that. And I, I'm, I am more sure in myself. I'm excited to still grow within this journey but yeah i feel like i'm at a way better place than i was in in high school so you know big wins life's about growth look at you closing out the pod (laughs) with a great great synopsis (laughs) well thank you so much for being on you did so great i knew you would you let me bully you just a little bit (laughs) yeah i was scared the the energy at first i didn't know what what i (laughs) I got myself into i started i told you my ptsd was kicking in from asking never let them know your next move i had to keep you on your toes (laughs) goodbye (laughs) (laughs) okay well that's that guys I'm sure this is not the last you will hear of this man, but thank you again for coming on. Absolutely, anytime. Okay. Goodbye. (laughs) Peace and love. Blessing.